Order to Three Movie Podcast for American Honey. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Molklitsky. Uh, I've been trying to be a Christian, but I can see that the devil has a hold on the two of you. And with an American Honey tagline or two, maybe three, let's see how many of them he's got. Kelly Wand. It's like Newsies, but with magazines. <laughs> and without Christian Pale. Oh, whoops. I, I don't. Am I allowed to add onto your taglines? Yeah, I didn't get it, though. <laughs> Wasn't Christian, Christian Bale? Bale in Newsies? Oh, Bale, right. Well, I don't, actually, I don't know for I sure. I forgot that guy existed. I've never seven. seen that movie. I don't know. It sounds like something he Dingus is would do. Bale in it. Yeah, that does sound like Dingus. Dingus is Christian Bale in Newsies. Yes. Sweet. I win, Kelly Wand. It's the star. It's like fame. Well, wait. Let's. Getting back to the American Honey ones <laughs> instead of the Newsies taglines. Okay, right. And now I suddenly <laughs> wanted to. These are for American Honey and not Newsies. Right. All right. You'll have to listen to our Newsies podcast for more of those. Oh, let's do it. We did a good podcast. You know I love musicals. Yeah. I know. We have no, the bar's pretty low. Uh, longer than actually driving the distance covered in the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we get oil. Finally, a chance to root against Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I feel like you peaked Gummo. there. Oh, you got more? I got two more. Okay, rock and roll. Gummo on wheels. Mmm. Deep, huh? And, that, one, uh, that one's not for dingus, by the way. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I feel like that one, uh, well, a Harmony Corinne one, I feel like that one was coming at me. Pure endurance test. Yeah. For I mean, but it is for anyone. At least I know Harmony Corinne isn't a girl. <sighs> Look, I've been through a lot. <laughs> uh, the last American Honey tagline I composed was, I was jealous of the worm. <laughs> that's not for That's uh, not for girls. Uh, okay, interesting. Uh, I liked, yeah, I I, I liked them. Interesting. The, they peaked halfway through, and then there's kind of like a gentle denouement. That's how the movie is. <laughs> well, let's have more talk of that, but don't spoil anything yet. Dingus, don't spoil anything in American Honey, and tell the listeners a little bit about what we saw this week. No spoilers. Be very careful. All right. Let me be very careful about this. Uh, this week we saw American Honey. Mm-hmm. Spoil all but the movie. Well, you already spoiled the thing that I wouldn't talk about, so oh. I'm not going to talk about the thing that I wouldn't talk about. Uh, this this week we saw American Honey, 2016 British-American drama road movie about what Darth Vader looks like under his suit. It was written and directed by Andrea Arnold. <laughs> That's so weird. It was written and directed by Andrea Arnold. It stars Riley Keough, Sasha Lane, Will Patton, and a bunch of awesome kids. Uh, American Honey is rated R. Well, I don't know about that. For for strong (laughs) sexual content. Go on. Graphic nudity. What? Graphic nudity means penises. Yeah, that, that whole penis Viking guy is, yeah. Oh, so the penis is naked. 
that's yep. the part that's bad. That's, okay, if, if a penis is shown in terrible and shame on you, penis, even semi erect, then it is graphic nudity. There's a lot of penis in this movie. Yeah, mm. and even I think there's some condom too. Um, language throughout, drug slash alcohol abuse, all involving teens. No smoking. I'm I'm disappointed they didn't bring up the smoking. Kelly Wan, I would have made. Made a point that they include that in there. Is there anything that you would have liked them to include amongst those little rating warnings? I would have said and included improper barbecuing, <laughs> insufficient scenes of weed being smoked by cool teens, and Shia LaBeouf having sex. <laughs> if you want to call it that, um, I just like I like that it says all involving teens. Every every part of the rating system here, all of the rating content. Yeah, it it, it, it has a, it has a special mark because it is all involving teens. Well, the whole it's movie, interesting there's, to me too. There's nothing in the movie that isn't involving teens. That I, I know, like talk. van driving involving teens. Yeah. These are I like use, of, use of a skylight in a car involving teens. The rating system's age based, but. It's like even if you're an adult who doesn't, you're. It's like adults don't see R-rated movies, so it should just be. This is for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that's not age-based, no matter how old they are. Uh, American Honey didn't really make any money. It's a limited release. It's not that kind of movie. Uh, on Metacritic, the various ratings average out at 78. On Rotten Tomatoes, 81 percent of the reviews of American Honey are positive. Tight. Kelly Wan, <laughs> what would you call a synopsis of American Honey if you were to deliver such a thing? American Hupsis. Sweet. So, Kelly Wan, oh, that is sick. Give us the American Hupsis. And these will include spoilers, just to let the listeners know. Well, my version of spoilers. American Hupsis. A mocha Natalie Portman named Star stands up from a garbage can with a frozen chicken and says to a red-haired four-year-old standing ten feet below, Okay, Reuben, stick your hands out. No, your hands. Palms up. No, not your buttocks. Okay, ready? Now catch. Not with your face. Damn it, Haley Joel, stop putting on makeup and help your brother get his head out of that chicken. Actually, go back to the makeup. Reuben, leave the chicken on. Time to look enticing to some drivers. They stand by the side of the street. Star sticks her thumb out, but the passing cars all agree that Reuben's chicken head's a deal breaker. (laughs) A truck finally stops, but only to empty the dumpster's trash into itself. The Indian driving the garbage truck cries a single tear as he drives off. Do you have like a bet with someone to see if you can include that reference in every synopsis? Myself. Okay. And I'm winning. Yeah, you are. And losing. <laughs> I'm undefeated and I'm on a cold streak at the same time. <laughs> Ruben's all, Mom, with this chicken on my face, I can't breathe. Star's all, Hang in there, Ruben. I may have made some questionable choices in life so far, but all we need right now is a real man with all the answers. Suddenly, a van with Shia LaBeouf's bare ass sticking from the window drives past and pulls into the Kmart across the street. She's all, Bingo. Everybody goes into Kmart, leaving Ruben safely in charge of his sister in the cutlery aisle. Star heads to the cash registers, <laughs> where Shia flirts with her by throwing his rhinestone-coated cell phone to the floor and dancing dumbly around on all the conveyor belts. Some CG monkeys join in as he cavorts. The little sister from Fish Tank's all, that's not dancing! 
<laughs> Later in the parking lot, God damn it, LeBou, for the last time, stop stealing her Transformer toys. Stars all. Wow, that was really awesome. You dancing on cash registers back there and then getting bludgeoned by guards and mooning me. Here's your phone back. Aren't rhinestones a little metro even for you, though? Hey, I was in Fury. I didn't show up for six months or since. <laughs> Speaking of which, how'd you like a job driving around the country selling magazines to my mistress for chump change? You seem pretty smart since you followed me based on my dance moves. Awkward intellect's going to sales. She's all, hmm. Maybe this'll help. You want me. Everybody wants me. I'm a LaBeouf. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I gotta get back to recruiting quality salespeople. He drops his pants again, gets back in the van, sticks his buttocks out the window, farts goodbye, and prepares to display it to other motorists as the van pulls out honking and swerving into oncoming traffic. And in Shia's case, pooping. Star takes the kids home. She's married to Justin Timberlake. <laughs> After dinner, he's all. Mm-mm. Dinner was so good tonight. Chicken just the way I like it. Pocked with the dog's teeth marks after Reuben punched holes in it and rolled it across the floor. Mm. Now, come on. Dance with me. I have to go collect eggshells for breakfast. Timberlake's all. Come on. Your tears on my shoulder. Yeah, that's it. Zero eye contact. <sighs> we got ourselves a beautiful family here. You must be the happiest sister of mine on earth. You're welcome. Reuben's all, hey, mama, look what I can do. He stumbles in from the porch with a bucket on his head and a wolf chewing on his arm. Star sighs. <laughs> Timberlake's many things, but as we all know from SNL, he's no dancer. So even as he puts Star through the sordid embraces of his moonwalk, she reminisces wistfully in a soft filter to shots of Shia's ass in the band window from various angles as it drives past her in slow motion. That night at a Trump rally... <laughs> oh, I wish I, I really hope everyone hearing this has seen American Honey. <laughs> I guess you know what scene I'm talking about. <laughs> the mom's all. You're leaving town for which Indiana Jones cast member? Look, Mom, I don't have time to explain. It's a dream job, working for cool people with lots of room for advancement. Actually, scratch all that. I just need to go to the bathroom real quick. Watch the kids for a second, okay? Star, the hole in the ground's 100 yards away in the other direction. The next morning in the Kmart parking lot, Star shows up and is immediately encouraged by the sight of Shia getting beaten up by his colleagues. Suddenly, a mean girl in sinister short shorts clip-clops ominously from the nearby flop house and gives Star a dubious once-over. She snaps her fingers. Shia glumly puts a bridle in his mouth and gets down on all fours as the mean girl takes a seat on his earring-studded back. She's all, Well, well, new girl. You a hard worker? Star shrugs. There anybody here who'd miss you? Uh, maybe Reuben, but he's missing a lot of things. Y'all sound a little too perfect. Welcome to the print medium. You'll fit right in. Feel free to bond with the other slaves here while Shia brings my bed around. What the fuck, Shia? I didn't say get up. Shia sighs and crawls over to the valet as Crystal digs her spurs in. Star's all. Oh, well, I guess no meat cute's perfect. The rest of the kids crowd around her to, <laughs> to gawk and chant. A blonde kid's all, my signature move is this. He whips his dick out and scampers around giggling while everyone watches in silence. Another kid's all, I carry around this squirrel in my hair to motivate my customers to buy subscriptions to Field and Stream. Another kid with missing teeth's all, 
My thing's getting beaten up. They said Dano was too old for the role. Franco's all <laughs> spring <blurred. laughs> The fat girl's all, I'm a dreamer. She starts breakdancing and rapping while everybody else piles into the station wagon and it drives off, leaving her there dancing. In the back seat, another girl sitting next to Star's all, as you can see from all my terrible sketches, I'm obsessed with Darth Vader. Wow. <laughs> he's the epitome of darkness and depression and romance. I guess you could say he's like a father figure to me. Plus, you know what he looks like with his mask off? A skeleton. I could really relate. The only movie I've ever seen is Fear. From the other backseat, Shia's all, I prefer Lucas's later work, actually, his period pieces. <laughs> Remember when I found Harrison Ford inside a train by riding a motorcycle alongside it through a heavy crowd? Believe me, they weren't acting. Dingus driving the car leans back and says to the Vader girl, He's not a skeleton! Did you even see episode six? (laughs) (laughs) You're a little ahead of me on that, Dingus. The hunchback kids all, that's Dingus. An uncomfortable silence falls till a song comes on they all know the words to. The next day, Shia takes Star out to train her. As Shia puts on a blazer, he's all, Am I a little too Donald Trumpish? Just hair-wise. As they walk up to a nice house, Shia's all, Okay, Crystal, I'll tell you there's seven steps to closing a sale, but there's really only one, and that's when the customer stares at you and tries to keep their gorge down. How's that a step? Look, just watch. That's step two. He knocks on the door, then rings the bell, then keeps knocking and ringing till a yawning 13-year-old girl opens the door. Shia's all. Whoa! Hey, good little girl, was your mother a beaver? Because damn. <laughs> sure is handy. I have my library card because I'm totally checking you out. Uh, like I told Megan, if you were a Transformer, you'd be Optimus Fine. Did you just fart? Because you blow me away. Do you work at Subway? Because you just gave me a foot long. Hey, are you German? Because I want to be German. Uh, uh, wait, don't close it. I hear you're looking for a stud. Uh, good news, baby. I already have the STD, and all I need is you. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> The kid turns and goes, Mom, Shia LaBeouf's at the door. <laughs> Mimi Rogers. <laughs> Mimi Rogers comes to the door and goes, That's great, honey. Now go dance with your friends through the window out back. I just turned the sprinkler on. I'll handle these. LaBeouf's. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Rogers. Boy, to paraphrase my idol, Bill Cosby, I sure am tired from walking 60 miles uphill both ways. <laughs> I'm here to talk you into joining a contest that'll restore my sister here's sight with a much-needed eye operation. If I could just come in for a few. Star, say hello to the nice lady. Fuck you. Well, it's all a bit unorthodox, but please come in. <laughs> Kelowan, you didn't do any writing for that bit. No. You, just, you just duplicated what happened in the script. Exactly. I watched the movie for my own research. <laughs> the script. Exactly. Like that was the script. Would you like something to drink? 
Oh, rum and coke would be clutch, yo. He watches the little girl and her friends through the window use a stripper pole in the backyard as an oak tree. As Mimi returns with his drink, he's all, Oh, thanks. Uh, actually, could you refresh the line, maybe, with the blue umbrella? So what's this so-called contest? Well, uh, actually, the way it works is you buy magazine subscriptions. It helps me go into politics. It's a win-win, except for you uh, in the country. What you smirking at, bitch? I'd make a great president. All right, the devil's clearly in both of you. I'll take ten subscriptions to the Christian Science Monitor and five for Cracked. Now get out. Your daughter's the one who's president. She points at the girls the mom's already looking at who are signing bills into law out back, then storms out and off down the grass. Shia gives chase. He's all, great, I had that sweet guppy on the hook and you had to defend me. Jesus. Just for that, I'm not giving you this present I stole off her. He tosses her a ring. Star looks at it, makes it into a pendant, and starts having sex with him. No, it's a ring. They go in fingers. You seriously don't know how rings work? I only saw Sphere, not Abyss, that night after the motel parking lot sing-along. I don't understand these jokes. That night after the motel parking lot sing-along, the blonde kid gravely whips out his penis and goes, Hey, Star, Crystal said she needs to talk to you. All the other kids are all, Ooh, looks like someone's getting the interrogation droid. Just as Star's about to knock on Crystal's door. Crystal's all, Enter, well, well, if it ain't the new girl. Shy, I start with my legs. No, my legs, idiot. Now, y'all looky here, little missy. I don't much cotton a women telling Shy what to do. Shy, what the fuck? Oh, sorry, I think this is crazy glue, actually. Get out of here, new girl. Don't let me catch you enjoying life again, or I just might have to summon y'all here and make y'all watch what the services Shy performs on Wax Day. Star shuts the door. As she crosses the parking lot, the squirrel and the blonde kid's dick look at her, then exchange sympathetic looks. <laughs> the next morning, Star tells Shy... Fuck this, I don't need you to hoodwink rednecks. I'm going solo. She hops into a car with a bunch of aging cowboys while Shia watches crestfallen on foot. As they drive off, he's all, You'll be back. Everyone comes back to LaBeouf. Wahlberg running from robots? Come on. Star, Star, where are you going? Star, Star, no. No, Star. Star, where? Later at a swimming pool. Hooey, boys, look at that girl sink. Another one jabs his thumb at the barbecue and goes, Hey, how do you start this thing? He explodes. Suddenly, an annoying coyote howl rolls in off the plane. Shia tumbles into view, covered in cactus needles and scorpion stingers. He's all, Don't worry, I'm still in the movie. <laughs> I get kicked out. Keep coming back. Stars all. Shia. Wait, we left you on foot 100 miles from here. Isn't your finding this place within minutes just a little implausible? Shia pulls out a gun and goes, Okay, everybody put their money on the table. They did already, see? All right, uh, yeah, uh, good, thank you. Uh, get in the pool, no. They are in the pool. Okay, start a barbecue. Yeah, okay, I see you guys already did. Shut the fuck up. Give me your car keys. Shia, you're already driving. We're 10 miles away from the house already. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Be impressed with my antics. Shy, we're already having sex. Just put the gun down. Shut the fuck up. I'm a LaBeouf. We always win. Brian Austin Green leans over to me and goes. 
He comes over a lot, not even for Megan. He just really idolizes my 90210 character. David. The next morning at a parking lot, Crystal's all, Okay, people, today you'll be selling magazines to oil drillers, so put on these green scarves and googly eyes. And remember, listlessly, they're all, Magazines are awesome, woohoo. In a classic maneuver of showmanship, Crystal drives up to a band of bearded, begrimed guys with oil on their faces, stops the car, lets out Star and the four fat girls, plays a few seconds of rap music while the girls try to dance, then turns the music off and drives away while the girls dance in silence and the blonde kid puts his dick out and shrugs. <laughs> As she dances bone creakingly, Leah's all, Ordinarily, I reserve my sexiest moves for giant snails and salacious crumb. <clears throat> Stars all, Someone who last has told us all that... <laughs> I hate acting. Someone who lies to us all the time told us y'all are millionaires. Y'all must have limousines. A pickup truck pulls up. As the guys pile into the flatbed, stars all, Hey, I'm from Texas. i never seen an oil field before. Can I come? She hops into the truck. As it drives off, Shia stops dancing, pulls his wig off, and goes, Star! Star, where you going? Star, no! No, Star! Star! Wig! <laughs> In the flatbed, stars all. <laughs> Just so we all's clear, I'm only selling magazines. That's why I was dancing earlier. Magazines are like ballet for your thumbs. The dumb oil guys all. <laughs> Y'all carry computer games magazine? My grandson sure hates that random incoherence guy. The one with blonde oil on his beard's all. I'll give you 500 bucks to hang out with me tonight. Actually, make it a thousand. I'm not very good company. She agrees to both of these things. That night, he picks her up in a pickup and goes. <laughs> Okay, ready for an awesome surprise? It's so romantic, you'll shit. And open them. Star, whose eyes are already open, find their part next to a sputtering oil fire. He's all, uh, yeah, uh, you may want to roll up your window because of the smell. Actually, sorry, that's me. Roll back down. And now for the awesome surprise, I promised. He makes Star touch his truck's steering wheel for a while. Eventually, she's all, how long does this usually take? <laughs> she accidentally honks the horn. Once he's satisfied with her horde prowess, he drives her through the pitch black darkness to the middle of nowhere. She's all, yeah, this is good. You can let me out here. He's all, okay. She gets out and starts walking back to the cabin in the woods when Shia suddenly shows up on a motorcycle, argues with the guy in the truck for a bit, then chases Star back to the house and confronts her in the living room. He's all, sex for money? Why wasn't I invited? Jesus, Shia, that's a lot of blood on your face. Is any of it his? Shut up, I'm a LaBeouf, we always... <laughs> a couch attacks him, followed by a window. Eventually, Star puts Shia under a glass, gently releases him outside so she can sleep. <laughs> the next night... Y'all want Fuck. Y'all want to see me, Crystal? Yeah, just FYI, I fired Shia and replaced him with Taylor Lautner and Josh Hartner here. That'll be all. Star leaves and walks out to the bonfire. The kids are dancing around in the motel parking lot. They start singing a song with the same title as the movie, which means the movie's almost over. Somberly, Leah places Vader's body on the flames and goes. Remind me to take these out in a few minutes so Kylo Ren can grow up to talk to them. 
like the shrinky dink. The blonde kid whips out his dick. <laughs> the blonde kid whips out his dick and pile drives Vader's face mask with his ass, denting it as he farts. Leah sighs. Suddenly, Shia waltzes on screen and hands Star something. Then he rolls through the fire. As flames blaze into view from his face and back, he screams and pinwheels across the parking lot, burning while all the other kids laugh and point. Star heads down to the lake, releases the confused squirrel into the water to drown, then walks in herself and submerges. When she breaks the surface, all the kids have abruptly turned the music off and stopped dancing. Out of respect. The little sister from Fish Tank leans over to me and goes, I don't like Shia. I'll kill him first. The end. (laughs) Uh, Kelly Wan, thank you so much. That was... Ah. I really couldn't wait for this. Thank you so much. It was a tough one. It's hard to do good movies. You make it look easy. Mm, I do what I can, but it's three hours. That's the tough part. It didn't feel like three hours, though. It kind of flew by. Did you get through Red Road, Dingus, Andrea Arnold's first movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, Kelly Wand, have you seen Red Road? No. I only see the movies of hers that are two-word titles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what's it called? Oh, uh, Red, Red Road. It's Kate Dickey, a guy named uh, Tony like Tony Curran. I forget his name. Uh, yeah, but it's an early Kate Dickey movie that uh, Andrea Arnold did. Is it good? Yeah, I, I, I love it. it. Well, actually, I think it's what. How would you answer that question? Is Red Road good? Um, I love the way it starts. Uh, I don't like where it goes. To be fair, Kelly, uh, I, not, like when, I like when it's mainly focused on on Kate Dickey. It's not for Angus. Um, and what she's and mm. not all movies they don't like are not for me. Stop saying that. Well, wait, what um, movies that you don't like are for you? See, I, I think I got you there. You don't like is not for Tom. <laughs> I think I got you there. If you don't like it, it's not for you. Mm, that's not the way that works. <laughs> <laughs> you can wait, appreciate that. Someone... You can appreciate something as good and and uh, and not like it, uh, and then it's not for you. But if something is uh, legitimately bad and you don't like it, then it doesn't mean it's not for you. It just means it's not for anybody or whatever. That's just a weird thing to but say. But being not for anybody, being not for you, falls under the subset of being not for anybody. Oh, you're right. I am a person. <laughs> I, anyway, I sidetracked you. But, uh, so, uh, but, but we all there is look- a difference, though. I, I, I really love Kate Dickey. I, I, think that, I think she's so good in it. And when the movie – when Red Road is focusing on her – and on um, on just sort of the nuts and bolts of what she's doing at that in that like CCTV like thing that she's doing, I'm really into the movie. But when it sort of goes off into the direction that it goes off into the 21 grams direction, or I don't know, it's that it's kind of a, a familiar. It's it's become familiar territory. Um, I become less interested in it. But we all liked Fish Tank. I think we all adored that, even though Kelly Wan forgot to put it on his list of top ten movies that year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, Fish Tank. Yeah, I mean, I, she hasn't done anything like Fish Tank. I mean, Andrea. I had to make room for SpongeBob and King's Speech. Right. You had to get those on there. Uh, yeah. So, how does this compare to Fish Tank, you guys? Who wants to go first? Because that's all. I mean, that's that's what I'm thinking going in. Here's an, an actress we've never seen before. Katie Jarvis made Fish Tank what it was largely. Uh, here's Andrea Arnold doing a movie with someone we've never seen before. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm hoping for another fish tank. I think we all were. What did we get? Uh, well, instead of Fassbender, it's LaBeouf. So there's a little bit of drop-off there. 
I think I liked every character in Fish Bank. Fish Bank. <laughs> Fish Tank a lot. And in this, I was sort of, I was, I was really captivated by the main character, but all the, none of the other characters were as interesting to me. Although I did like some of the kids. There's a lot of really good kid acting. And they all, I guess they just found them all. It was really organic. I really thought they had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like Shia. And I got the sense I was supposed to be relieved that he kept coming back into her life. But I was mostly frustrated. Like, oh, come on. Take the, take the purification dive into the water sooner. Uh, a friend of ours named Tony Carnavale, who has done these amazing one-line reviews of movies, uh, he went and saw uh, American Honey and pretty much got to what you're getting at, Kelly Wand. He says that every scene where Shia LaBeouf showed up, uh, it just it dragged the, the movie down completely. He had zero interest in the relationship with Star. Um, yeah, he, I'm not rooting for them. Yeah. Uh, so, like she so seems his, dumb to go back to him. His, his one-line review is, The next Jennifer Lawrence and a bunch of dipshits, including Shia LaBeouf, for truly no reason. Also, lol, we forgot to hire an editor. That's technically two lines, uh, I would say. I kind of like the length, though. I like how it just sort of you sort of wallow in it for three hours. Like, I think... I feel like we're too rigid with movie running lengths. Okay. And so I kind of liked that it was a three hour because she never leaves the the group either. Like it's like three hours of her on the road, like it's in the same key. But I still kind of like that. I just I liked the fact that it was that long because it felt like a long road trip. Like it, it enhances the effect that she's going for. So I really like the movie. I just don't like it as much as Fish Tank. Um, I think it's less complete a piece. Um, but I really, I, I like it in a, and it's like an unruly, really fun. I think the main actress is amazing and it's totally worth seeing. So Dingus, coming from Fish Tank, what was your take on this? Uh, this can't even be in the same universe as Fish Tank, in my opinion. It doesn't deserve to be even mentioned. I mean, uh, Fish Tank is absolute brilliance, and this I couldn't stand. I think that she um, is totally self-indulgent. I totally disagree with Kelly that it's fun to wall. I mean, his, his using the word wallow is perfect, Kelly, because that's what mm-hmm. it feels like. Uh, just just real quick, because this is uh, Tony Carnival called it offensively indulgent. It is, absolutely. You know, I, I, I agree with Tony. Yes. That's what he's going to say. Uh, I would disagree with uh, both Tony and Kelly on this idea that, uh, that Sasha Lane is any good. Um, I think that she's. Uh, I think that Andrea Arnold was reaching for a Katie Jarvis kind of thing and trying to catch lightning in a bottle again. Um, and the and what's unfortunate is that in her quest to find all of these kids, which she does, and Kelly's right, um, she got grants and whatnot to you know basically stroll back and forth across the country and uh, proposition kids to be in this movie, and she found a bunch of amazing kids, uh, and she doesn't know. Um, like that that van scene where they're introducing themselves, I loved that. That was at that point in the movie, I sat up and went, "Okay, you got my attention. Where are we going to go now?" Uh, I would have loved to stick with any one of any one or all of them and figure out, like, and again, this is sort of my uh, life between the oceans thing. The they're like they're the magazine thing because I've read about that 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 aspect of those vans dropping kids off in your neighborhood. I mean, I've been aware of that for years. So seeing sort of an insight into that world was interesting to me. But she focused on the two people that were least interesting, that had no chemistry whatsoever. I couldn't have cared less about their love story. Um, And having Shia LaBeouf 
just totally scuttles the movie absolutely and maybe even ruins Sasha Lane's performance because I could not care less about her and him. And I, I'm actually kind of mad that I had to sit through two hours and 45 minutes of this drivel. It's, it's absolute self She's a more passive Tony, character. Tony Carnavale says at the end, because uh, he seems to think similarly to you and Kelly Wand on Shia LaBeouf, he says, P.S., did you know that Shia and the actress who played Star actually dated? That makes me mad. <laughs> he wrote. Uh, <laughs> really? So they weren't acting. They huh. seem to be. And there's no chemistry between the two of them when they're any when they're in the car having sex. I'm like, yeah, all right, come on. I don't believe anything that's going on here. Well, I definitely liked Sasha Lane more than you did. That's for sure. But yeah, she's she's kind of a more passive character than Katie Jarvis's character, and so I think she's a little less exciting to watch, maybe because it's sort of a different kind of story. I mean, I definitely cherish fish tank way way more and that's one reason why like it's compact and katie jarvis is always doing something interesting in it and in this it's mostly there's a lot of scenes of her just reacting to things and a lot of it's shia um but it's still good filmmaking (laughs) what do you think tom you haven't weighed in yet yeah i uh first of all the structure i didn't care for i was expecting like, I thought we were going to get a Winter's Bone type story, and instead we got Larry Clark's Oliver Twist. I mean, what? Yeah. Uh, well, so but, I didn't, uh, and I didn't, I didn't buy for a minute. I mean, I know that kids sell magazines, but I didn't buy this idea. I loved Riley Keough, by the way. I love that actress. I yeah, want to talk about she her. Was in a um, she loved, was amazing. She was amazing. I loved her, but I didn't buy for a minute that, that a woman like her was running this unruly band of kids making money selling magazines. So I didn't believe the, the premise. Um, Way too long. I completely agree. Over, I don't know about offensively, but just overly indulgent. It did not need to be this long, particularly because there just wasn't enough meat there. Uh, and I agree with you, Ding. It's Sasha Lane. She's a beautiful woman, but if she can act, I couldn't tell here. All I saw was a woman pretending to be into Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Boy, did it did it look awkward. Uh, and she wasn't pretending. And, and the, the, well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, that maybe no. that's that's all that really that I saw to her performance. I mean, like I said, she's beautiful. But think of Katie Jarvis. Think of any good actor, yeah, though. Yeah. When you look at any good actor, there's this idea that there's so much going on and sits inside of them. And I just didn't get that about Sasha Lane. Again, maybe it's the material. I was watching this thinking it would be nice to see this woman given some material. She's beautiful. She's got a very natural aspect to her. Um, But nothing she did here made me think she was really good. Uh, In fact, she wasn't even the second best actor in this movie. Like, all those kids were great watching them being Mm non-actors. I love the little girl uh, with the line about the Dead Kennedys song. Just that random Mm -hmm. little girl showing up. Uh, There were some real acting treasures in here. And she wasn't one of them, I, I thought. Nope. Um, mm. uh, I, I mean, also, go ahead. Well, she's just tough to compare to Katie Jarvis. Like, if that's if, and I guess that she, Katie Jarvis, is the standard, but it's uh, but, it's no, a tough I'm comparing her against the other people in this movie. Um, there are t- a ton of other stories I'd rather watch in this movie. And I do think, though, Ding, is part of the problem is it, it's that she's supposed to care. I mean, I wouldn't understand anyone in this movie who who looks longingly at Shia LaBeouf. I mean, Shia LaBeouf is such a big, fat turd in the middle of what could have been a decent movie. It is astonishing to me. I mean, because when he showed up, I was like, uh, okay, we'll see where this goes. I wanted to give the guy a chance. 
And it is yeah. astonishing to me how terrible he is and how he does kill every single scene he's in. Mm-hmm. And how he's clearly yep. an actor compared to all these other improvisational performances. Uh, he's a hog, too. He's a hog, and I just – his press – I mean, every, I just couldn't help but think about all the press he's been getting and his – I, you know, at least he kind of disappears in the ensemble in Fury. Uh, but in this, it, he's a hog. You're right, Kelly Wan. And he's not a gracious actor with her. Um, no. I remember, no. this is really stupid, but I remember once uh, I was on a TV show and had just a couple of lines. And for the most part, I was in the background of a scene. And there were other things going on in the front of the scene. And that was the main part of the scene. And in the background, me and this other woman who was, she was supposed to be like a, a beauty contestant. And I was a reporter who was infatuated with her. And we're just supposed to be chit-chatting in the background. And, you know, we're just whispering quietly voiced while the other act, the real actors are doing the thing in the front. And I'm talking to her. And just talking and talking and telling her a story about a movie I saw. And at one point she says, do I, do I get to talk? <laughs> and I realized at that point that I had just been so, like, greedy and I wasn't letting her talk. <laughs> and I was making it all about me. I had to make sure I was, like, talking and looking naturalistic in the background. And she just, when she sort of timidly says that, I thought, oh, my God, I'm a real tool. I've just been sitting here railing on. <laughs> and I thought of Shia LaBeouf. Well, you know, watch I thought of that moment with Shia LaBeouf. Like, he's just so, he's not generous with her. Uh, no. And, and I think, like... We've seen, you know, in Magic Mike, remember Cody Horn? Uh, mm. She's like awkward and she's not very good, but everybody's so generous with her. Or, uh, right. or Gina Carano in, in Haywire. Uh, I, I just wish that Sasha Lane had been with people more. Like the scenes with Riley Keough were really cool. I mean, but yeah. she was just briefly showing up to play her Fagin part, and there, there didn't get to be much there. Um, and she does get to abuse Shia LaBeouf, so we get that pleasure. But then, I, yeah, go ahead. Start thinking. Going back to him, it's so weird. annoying. Well, it really yeah. does. I mean, the movie wants us to think that he's a fascinating, compelling character. Yeah. I, mean, I, suppose, I suppose he's our artful dodger in the, in the Oliver Twist equivalent. But I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't share Andrew Arnold's perspective on Shia LaBeouf, and I. I don't know how she got saddled with him. I mean, there is a there is a sense that. Uh, you know, good for him for trying to do something like this, but he's so insecure that he can't let anybody do anything else in a scene. Um, so it's really hard to watch any scene with anybody except Riley Keough, who I think, you know, I, I, I disagree with you, Tom. I love the way that she was the alpha of that group. And, and I thought, I totally, no, I love that as well. I just didn't buy that. There's a real industry for, for, uh, for running or for those unruly kids, making her a bunch of money selling magazines. I couldn't imagine. I would not buy a magazine from a single one of those kids. <laughs> like, oh no, I, I wouldn't either. I could not, I could not imagine that. I loved Riley Keough in that part, but I just didn't buy the idea that this oh. actual operation would exist and would earn money. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause it, cause to me, she was like, like the, uh, the white trash uh, Jackie Weaver from Animal Kingdom. Sure, I mean, yeah, Jackie, yeah. Totally saw her running them, um, but I, I did kind of find I was fascinated by this, the insight into this this subculture because I've seen those vans uh, at the end of a street, you know, where I lived in a house, and I've I've seen those kids come up to the house and try to pretend, you know, uh, you know, I got to get my way to college or whatever patter they give, and you always know it's false. Um, and, you know, I was talking to somebody today about this. Uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about this today. And she's like, yeah, I've read those articles. I read an article about this, about how these kids are totally um, uh, in basically sort of enslaved and taken around their country. And what you have to do is immediately invite them into your home and allow them to make a phone call. And I'm like, no, do not ever let that any of those people into your home. Wait, <laughs> why did she say you have to do that? I don't understand. Why was she saying you have to do that? 
uh, because whatever article she was reading was about the idea that uh, they are in sort of human bondage. And oh, oh, I see. Let them in to, to call and try to get. I see what you're saying. So it's black and, try to, and try to get out, but but they're con men. I mean, they're 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 survivors. They're they're scrappy kids. They're street kids, and that's how they're making a living. And inviting them into your home is the last thing you would ever want to do. Them steal everything that you own. And I don't so, I don't believe this idea that it's bondage. By the way, I mean if if you no, can't, I don't either. I, yeah, okay. I think it's I, it's it, it might be servitude, but it's it's uh you know it's contracted servitude in. in in this sort of uh, yeah, I'll I'll hook my I'll hitch my wagon to your star for a little bit and try to make some money yeah, and then I'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's just it's door to door sales that I can't imagine is effective these days, and I, I yeah I can't imagine that those kids that we saw who were super enthusiastic and energetic and I would have just liked watching a movie about them. Uh, I couldn't imagine that any too, one yeah. of them would have stayed in this sort of door to door grind for longer than a week. <laughs> no. I mean, it, it is interesting to watch them. You know, at first, the first thing I thought um, when when she wakes up at the Motel Six and Shia and uh, his little group of dudes run up and are all, all punching each other is like, oh, this is a little pack of dogs. This is before I realized there was a whole bunch of other people. I thought she was just, I thought Star was just throwing in her lot with these guys, and that was going to be it. And I was kind of like, oh, that's going to be gross. And then all these other people started pouring out, and then Crystal comes out, and I'm like, oh, it's a whole. F- it's not just a pack of dogs. Um, it's it's more than that. It's this. It's like a tribe. It's this tribal thing that's going on. Uh, and I kind of liked the way that the tribal structure developed. I, I liked the way that there there were these rules that they were that were laid out. That they had to sign a contract based on these rules. That they had these meetings. That and then, then that they had losers' night. Although that never really pays off in any decent way. But I liked that there there was sort of a rule structure in this tribe or this quote unquote family. Um, I liked kind of those things, but as you said, Tom, I, I really wish – I mean I, I would have wanted to be around any other of those kids than Star and Jake, any one of the other ones. Ha, ha, you or remember Shia LaBeouf's real name or his name in yeah. the movie. <laughs> I honestly think I couldn't, like have told you, I couldn't have told you that was his name if you put a gun to my head. And yeah, I just – I literally got out of the movie less than an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I love the I love the the woman uh, um, the uh, the kind of the the real dykish big woman who uh, who seems so cool and they're like I, I forget what they how they described her when she was first introduced um, I would have liked to have been in just watching what she did when she went to the to any of the houses. Well, that too. I was disappointed that we didn't get more of the procedural stuff of, yeah, of how exactly. did she sell, how did she learn? Because those are fascinating. But like in any grifter movie, like that's a big part of the movie is you watch the con man uh, spinning the con, and we got deprived right. of that. Like that wasn't really a part of what Andrea Arnold wanted to do because she wanted to show us this stupid love story with Shia LaBeouf. Like I felt well, deprived of that. Shia's supposed to be really I, good at it, and his he didn't I, seem I like really, he was using. Sorry. I really wanted to see these other fascinating characters getting to do scenes like the one where Shia LaBeouf is convincing that Christian woman. I mean, I yeah. and I, I, I really am kind of pissed that she didn't give us stuff like that because uh, all of we those kids were fascinating. And and I, I would have been – any single one of them, I was like, come on. How are you going to sell a magazine? So I wanted to see what they, what they had in mind. Yeah, what the trick was. Yeah, like what does that character she, do to sell a magazine? Shia is supposed to be the best at it. 
Well, that exactly, Kelly. One. This is another thing is Andrea Arnold wants us to think he is the best, the most fascinating He's salesman. He's born to do this. Yeah, the best yeah. salesman of all of these these weird, cool characters is this weird older guy with the. What was the deal with that rat tail thing, too? Like, Ugh. oh my god, did that look awkward? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the goofy suspenders. Yeah. I mean, he just looks Trump. like a total douche. I mean, what is he doing? Right. There's a yeah, there's a Trump joke right from the beginning. I don't understand a thing that he's doing. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be competent at all. Um, I, I don't get it. Here again, get it he did not. You know that little wolf howl he's supposed to do. We never saw him do it. He was incapable of doing that as a non-faked physical gesture. The wolf howl. <laughs> yeah. It was only off screen. That's too spot on, too. I, I, I know, Kelly Watt. I thought the same thing. Like, the second time, it's like, that's actually a recording of a dog. I'm Don't spell sure. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of spot on, there's so much utter obviousness in this. How about the ruby slippers at the beginning? And then you have to do two more references to Wizard of Oz what when we're going two? to Kansas City. Oh, Kansas City. I didn't even catch. Wait, what? Oh, uh, that's a good one. But they're not in Kansas. Okay, I guess so. Kind of like that one. What's the other one? Because oh. Kansas City, yeah. They do. They do at least two more references to Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, in addition to the ruby slippers at the beginning. Right. I'm like, come on! I mean, at least Fish Tank didn't have that level of obvious. I mean, it was just overbearing. I don't remember movie. Fish they, Tank having anything like the the coming storm bit and the her seeing the cows in the pen. And I, I'm sure it must have right. been stuff like that, but it it just seemed like a lot a much lighter touch, I guess. Uh. Wouldn't they have seen buildings before then? Because they see buildings and they do they have like an Emerald City thing. Like whoa! And I'm like they've been on the road for how long? Some and they're all taking pictures of buildings. Yeah, buildings. <laughs> so funny. But in defense of the length, though, uh-huh. I would say that, and this is something I that I noticed with Tarantino movies too, in a different level. It's like when something's really that long though, mm-hmm. it makes you it makes you not certain how long any individual sequence is gonna be. And it kind of adds a little bit of suspense because you're like, wait, this is a three hour movie. Like what a lot's gonna have to befall her for it to justify that length. So when they she's at the barbecue and it's sort of like going on and on, you're like, is this this is gonna go bad, but how and when? Like it adds something like in a shorter movie you don't have that as much because everything's just sort of like Things happen at the same time. That's a, time. Go ahead. Tom. No, I, that's that's an interesting point, but I think the problem here is that uh, what it's always music videos. <laughs> that's where the length goes. No, no, I I, I like your point, Kelly. One, but my, my main problem with that though is if I don't like the substance, if the substance of, of the movie isn't working for me, yeah, you know, it's the old canard about no good movie is uh, long enough Too and short. no bad movie is short enough. Uh, right. So if I don't like – like if the, the stuff isn't – like that, that barbecue scene, you're right. As it was going on, I was waiting for something to go off the rails and for it to get even creepier. And uh, the fact that we have a long movie and that mm-hmm. it's not – you know, that it's not a line response, line response delivery edit out, that it's not structured rigidly like that, that allows that kind of scene. But most of the scenes are just her and Shia LaBeouf or um, – and I did kind of enjoy all the kids, just the kids. Like I don't feel she used – those two hours and 45 minutes very well no but it should be done more often maybe like 
I don't know. What do you no, think? Vegas, you I agree with that? Totally it's a good idea of bad execution. <laughs> I don't know even what you're talking about, Kelly Wan, because all I'm doing is looking at my watch, and I'm just thinking, when is it? Because I didn't know I was going into a two-hour and 45-minute movie. I, I, I look uh, at I so little of what's going on. Uh, I'm sitting there and watching, and I'm looking at my watch, and I'm like, this is still going on? This is still going on? And nothing is happening, and we're still focused on the wrong characters? Wait, now it's a $1,000 hand job that turns into... A thousand dollar. I'm jacking myself off. Okay, that's okay. Now I, I'm questioning every single bit of the movie, and I'm constantly looking at my watch. I, I if a if a movie's really good, like for instance, when I watched the movie Heat, all I could think about was while watching was I could sit for two hours more of this. While I'm watching this, all I can think of is this this scene is too long. This scene is too long. You're wasting time. You're wasting my time. This could be half as long. All I'm thinking of is the things that could be cut. Mm. I mean, I, I see. I think that I though, like your, I kind of like your idea of more movies should be able to meander, but it has to be with characters that I'm interested in. And she was focused on the total wrong characters, so I was constantly aware of the time, and it was frustrating. Yeah, it really is just a matter of how good you feel the movie is, though. Like I, you know, Kelly Wan, you made me read a thousand pages of Joe Hill. Uh, I just read two hundred pages. And the passage. Of- Yep, and I just read 200 pages of Cormac McCarthy. Why couldn't I have read 1,000 pages of Cormac McCarthy and 200 pages of George, Joe Hill? You know? Which McCarthy was it? <laughs> uh, why don't you check out the front page of quarter3.com sometime this week and you'll find out. Oh, God. So let's talk about that scene. Because Dingus, I, as I was watching it, I'm like, I wonder what Dingus feels about this. Uh, the scene where she gets in the convertible with the three cowboys, the barbecue scene, as Kelly Wan calls it. Uh, what was your take on that? How did you, that make you feel? What was your response to that scene? I, I didn't like it because, well, first of all, I was distracted by Will Patton. Oh, um, yeah, I know, I know. When an actor shows up like that, I mean, <laughs> it really was. Once I realized it was him, it was kind of like, oh, I'm watching Will Patton. If he'd maybe kept the glasses and the mustache on longer, I don't know. <laughs> No, the moment he speaks, I'm like, oh, okay, what? Well, how did Will Patton get in there? How does he get in the and, – and he's listed in the cast as backseat. He could have been playing himself. Uh, it could have been like Will Patton actually lives there. And Shia was too. Uh, it just it just feels like this weird uh, – there's a couple of things in this movie. I mean the that first scene with, uh, as Kelly Wan put it, Justin Timberlake, uh, and then this scene. Uh, when, it, when it goes over into rapey territory – um, I just start to get squicked out by it, uh, and that whole weird, oh, rapey vibe for it. Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't care for it. I didn't get it. I didn't get what Andrea Arnold thought she was doing with it. Um, uh, so it it didn't work for me, and it and it appeared to be from some other movie. Now when uh. When Quentin Tarantino ventures into this territory, territory and say uh, Pulp Fiction, like when we wander into the into the pawn shop, um, for some reason it works. Um, that whole like uh, this feels like we suddenly ran into a different movie. Uh, kind of works. This feels like we're running into a different movie, but I'm, I think mainly it's because I don't believe anything Sasha Lane is doing, um, and I don't believe that. When she holds it, this is the most money I've ever seen. I don't believe anything she's doing. The, my problem with what she was doing there is I, it, it seemed like the, the character, like a character in her situation, whose mother had died from, uh, from doing crystal meth, who was charged with taking care of 
I don't know what her relationship was with these kids, but was feeding them at a dumpster. It's like, she seemed awfully Pollyanna when it came time right. to uh, get in the car with these three older men. Like, what did she think? Yeah. And, and I'm not getting into a blame the victim thing, but just that Andrea Arnold wanted us to play it like she was oblivious to the danger. And it, right. I, I wasn't convinced that a character who'd lived as hard a life as she had for 18 years would be that oblivious as the movie was wanting us to think she was. Um, Unless she's just self-destructive, though. No, it's she's not just that she would her. she would know, but I think she could handle herself at this point. Yeah, and I don't think she is self-destructive, though, Kelly. Wan. Like, I don't think that's part of what we're supposed to think about her character at this point, that she's she's really grasping for something better out of life, and, uh, and, and she's not doing self-destructive things. Uh, like she's going to have sex with Shia repeatedly. That's that's more just foolish than self-destructive, though. I feel. But I don't think it's. I don't think we're supposed to see that as self. As, Did you guys as self. see uh, Wild yet? Damn it! No, we didn't see Wild yet. Damn it! Is that There's, the one with Kevin Bacon and the Raft? Oh, Kelly Wan. First of all, you're fired. Uh, there is such a great. That's a Meryl Streep movie. There is such a great take on that kind of scene where a woman is intimidated and, and scared by a man's weird vibe. Uh, do you guys know who W. Earl Brown is? He's this great no. character actor who looks kind of like Billy Bob Thornton. Anyway, there's a great scene with, with him and Reese Witherspoon in Wild that, uh, you know, when I watched the scene with the Cowboys, I thought of the awesome scene in Wild. But you two haven't seen Wild. I'm sure the listeners who have seen Wild know exactly what I'm talking about. And a tip of the hat to them, a harumph to you two. No one's listening. There you go. And um, just sort of, just to make sure I, I was seeing what I thought I saw. Did Star throw a condom away at one point when she oh, says, yeah, I, I, guess that, that "I hope you don't mind." Self-destructive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it? See? Is that what's happening there? I mean, I can't imagine what else it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You can barely see it, but. Maybe it's an R-rated movie. Why don't you just show us? I mean, why why are you being coy? Uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf got his wang out a lot in *Nymphomaniac* in the Lars von Trier thing. He was swinging his wang all over the place in that movie. Probably Is it impressive? I mean, didn't need to know. Make that. it clear that it's a condom. I mean, why what are, why are you being shy about that? Get it? And especially <laughs> given how *Red Road* how *Red Road* works out. Fuck um, you, Fassbender! I can do it too. She hasn't shown her. She hasn't. Andrea, Andrea Arnold hasn't shown uh, a shyness or a coyness, I should say. Yes, I get it uh, about that. So it was just such a weird, quick, like flick. Like, do you mind? And then she flicks the condom away, and you can barely kind of see. This is her first American on. production, though, Dingus. I wonder if that had anything to do with it. I, oh. I don't know for sure. Um, like, well, how do you it, feel about that? I mean, how do you feel about the way she portrays that sort of like poor version of America as opposed to the way she shows that? poor version of England and Scotland. Yeah, well, because I didn't believe this whole idea that these kids would be doing this door-to-door sales grind, like, I almost wish she'd been doing a movie about, like, homeless kids or something. Uh, Again, it was this Oliver Twist structure that just felt really forced and weird. Uh, So I I liked the scene, and and I, you know, I I, I was willing to get into the parts that were more Winter's Bone. The early parts of her life with, uh, you guys call him Justin Timberlake, he came on, and I was like, oh, Orlando Bloom. Uh, with that weird guy. Uh, I loved a bit where she goes to the little – and I wish – you know, this made me feel bad that I wasn't as into her performance as I probably should have been. But I love the bit where she goes to the house with the kids and then buys them food and comes back. You know, I mm-hmm. that, that sort of the, – the life of poor, destitute, white trash, uh, I would have liked to have seen a movie about that instead of this Oliver Twist thing. 
Um, but you know, I guess I could just go yeah. watch watch Winter's Bone if I wanted that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I actually like that too, except I really hated the Dead Kennedy stuff. Why, Dingus? Why do you, you don't you didn't go through a punk phase though? Why did you hate the Dead Kennedys bit? Uh, because that that just it smacks of a writer putting words into a kid's mouth. Well, and, and you, I don't I don't believe any of that shit. That, you know, that little kid is say, is saying my favorite song is uh, I like to kill children or whatever. I don't believe any of that bullshit. I think problem, that's just a writer forcing a kid to say this. It, the problem is it's like Diablo Cody making movies about teen girls who are really into like Dario Argento horror movies. Is it exactly, no one yeah. of that kid's age or w- with whom that kid would interact would know who the Dead Kennedys are? Right. So yeah, I'm with you there, Dingus. Yeah, yeah. And that and that just took me out of the movie. And I but I liked the interaction. I liked the idea of the interaction and what they were reaching for. Um, but but when that little that little girl who was just adorable and I, I could have hung out in this trailer for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Uh, when she starts, you know, pattering or just going on about Dead Kennedy's lyrics, and I was like, oh come on. It's the same too when they're all in the van singing the lyrics. They all know the words to American Honey, really. Like they yeah, all know the words to that that soft country song. Yeah, <laughs> they knew. Everyone knew the the lyrics to every song, and there's no way any group of kids would be that into the same music. Well, I could song. buy the fact that maybe they had like a mixtape that they just listened to a lot, but I can't mm-hmm. buy that Lady yeah. Debellum song would be on, on that mixtape. <laughs> they had very eclectic tastes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Beyonce or somebody. Who, who's what's American Honey? Uh, it's a it's a country group named Lady Antebellum, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. I uh, okay. What about the song at the end, which I thought that the kids earned the right to sing, but uh, the filmmaker didn't earn the right to have. Wait, what? What's, what? What are they singing at the? What are they all singing together at the? Because I recognize the... that. I thought it was something I knew, but I didn't. I didn't. I left as soon as the credits started, so I didn't stay for the oh, music. Right. I stayed, and there's no Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that that was a song I knew, Dingus. And you think that they just did? They only had the lyrics, the rights to the lyrics. Oh, it's called the... "God's Whisper" by Rari. I put that in my notes. Oh, okay. Um. But it's not a song I knew. It's just that I thought that the cast earned the right to sing it, but I just didn't think that the filmmaker earned the right to. I don't know. I just want. I just wanted more for these kids who who she roped into being in this movie, and then they didn't get to have their due. Instead, we had to stick around with with a Jake and Star. I wonder if there could be like a, a fan edit where all the scenes with Shia LaBeouf were just cut out. <laughs> and then it would, you know, it would be it would be shorter, A, and it would have less Shia LaBeouf, B. <laughs> yeah, and then what would you put in instead, like Garfield? No, no. Oh, oh good lord. <laughs> oh, just like paste over Shia LaBeouf? No, I'd cut out yeah. all the scenes. She wouldn't have a love interest. You know, she could be with the, the penis Viking guy. She could just be with him when she hooks yeah. up with him to make Shia LaBeouf jealous. Uh, she could just be into <laughs> that guy. That's fine. Um yeah, and I would double. I told it like it was. He did. He did. He really knew what time it was. Yeah, all the answers. Yeah, he was a sundial. <laughs> did you guys know? Hey, did you guys notice? <laughs> so the exterior was a Kmart, the interior was a Target, wasn't it? With all the Target logos removed. Am I? Am I? Did I catch that correctly? I forget what America looks like. <laughs> Kelly White wouldn't know. I don't remember her. I thought. I thought she said. I thought she said Walmart or Target. I didn't they do think she name said drop Walmart. They, they name drop selling in a Walmart. But then the early scene where Shia LaBeouf 
is beginning his performance of jumping up on stuff. He does that a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is is I think Including it's her. I think it's the, hey Kelly Wand. Uh, I think it's the oh. inside of a of a target. But then when they go to the outside, Including I just her. I, <laughs> no, that doesn't work wow. there. Oh. Right, I just sorry. noticed stuff like that, and when they're like not showing, like when somebody holds a can of beer and he has his hand conspicuously over the brand. That's just, a lemon brow. It would be well, brown. I, I was so distracted by her going, hey, do you want to get some Mountain Dew to the kids? And and just thinking that this is how we're going to do it, watching this van. I didn't understand how she was pulled into this, how she was like, yeah, let's run in there. We're going to get some free Mountain Dew because of this van full of people with hairy asses. I didn't understand any of that. So I was distracted by, wait, how does she know? What's the scam here? What's going on? And then Shia LaBeouf is standing on a conveyor belt. I didn't get any of the connective tissue there. Uh, well, I think she was going like she was going out to get food, and then they were going to drop in there and just get a soda for the kids. Like she could afford it. What's so, he yeah, doing? I don't, I don't know. He sees her by the road and goes, oh, cool. She has kids. She'll be perfect for my plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were going shopping, Kelly Wand. They had stuff to buy yeah, at Kmart but... slash Target or whatever. Maybe that was a Kmart inside. I don't know. Here's another thing that I noticed right off the bat. What the heck is up with that aspect ratio? I am pretty sure that was like a 1-1. One, one. That was like a box. Did, did that, that drove me crazy. Did that not bother you guys? It, it looked like it was shot movie, on, Yeah, it looked like it was shot on somebody's cell phone almost. Like the aspect ratio was a straight-up square. It looked like. Well, I couldn't tell because I, I was in a small little box theater in Burbank. So. Yeah, me too. So but it, I thought it, it was looked, part of the like style, like, you know, poverty, smaller. I guess so. Like, the only <laughs> good argument I've heard for that sort of aspect ratio is when Kelly Reichardt did Meek's Cutoff, and she was like, well, that's what it would look like when you're looking through a bonnet or outside the back of a wagon. <laughs> and so she made it yeah. the shorter aspect ratio. I don't know what was going on. Silent film, black and white. Or just uh, a bunch of lithographs. So my overs and unders are uh, movies where the heroine comes nose to nose with a beast near the end of the movie. Oh God! Another bear, motherfucker! <laughs> Wait, what was I like? I loved that bear. I don't know what I. It's just you know what I. Fuck. Whenever no, whenever I see a bear like that, I just recall fondly radiation bear in Chernobyl Diary. Ah, uh, so I thought you meant Shia, by the way. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> we just had a goddamn bear in uh, Swiss Army Swiss Man. Army man. Yeah. Bears, dingus, bears are very hot nowadays. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Leo made them hot again. <laughs> so uh, my, and I didn't bracket these because it's a little bit difficult. But my under for movies where heroin comes nose to nose with a beast near the end of the movie. In the movie Don't Breathe, uh, a bunch of kids uh, fight a blind guy. Now, the premise, the setup for this movie, though, is these kids, they're running, Mortal around, enemies. They're, they're running around robbing people's houses, and they get wind of a blind veteran who has a bunch of money that he won in a settlement that he keeps in his house, and they're like, oh, let's go rob him. So the reason it's my under, I actually think that Don't Breathe is a better movie, because it's just a crappy horror movie. It does what it's supposed to do. But the problem with Don't Breathe, right <laughs> off the bat... I hate these kids. It shows them breaking into people's houses and then plotting to rob a blind war veteran. I don't sympathize with them at all. So that when they break into the, the house and the blind war veteran turns out to be Stephen Lang, who's totally badass, and he's killing them, I'm like, yeah, Stephen Lang, kill them. They deserve it. They broke into your house, jerks. Um, so Don't Breathe doesn't work for me. But at the end of Don't Breathe, he's got a dog. Uh, and they, they poison the dog, too, by the way. Uh, He's got a dog. The dog doesn't get killed. The dog is chasing the heroine, and he, he uh, she gets into a car. 
and the dog's outside the car, but she's got to get out of the car. So she does this trick where she's going to let it in through the trunk and have it come through a noose, and it's going to catch the dog. But just, you know, she leans in the back of the car as the dog lunges forward, and it stops just short of her face. Um, so that's a heroine dog face-to-face scene in a movie I like less than American Honey. Now, my over, can you guys guess uh, the, the movie that is my over? I didn't bracket it. This is a considerably better movie than American Honey and Don't Breathe. A movie where a heroine comes nose-to-nose with a beast near the end of the movie. Oh, The Shallows. No, she didn't come nose-to-nose with the shark. Uh, and oh, the I meant shallows, The Seagull. Ow. Isn't this a seagull that she comes uh, A seagull, to? I don't think of as a beast. Like, I think of a, a seagull as just kind of a bird. Is a I'm seagull breast. a beast? Yeah. Bridget Jones' baby! <laughs> It's your Alicia Vikander. I love when yeah. she shows up. She's excited about that movie. No, my over uh, is uh, a movie. Park? Uh, no, no. Uh, does she come nose to nose? No, this is a better. Larry it's, Crown. It's a distinct side by side shot. Uh, it's a Beast of the Southern Wilds, where uh, where. Uh, oh yeah. Quivenjane Wallace. Did I get that right, Dingus? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. good. Quivenjane Wallace. She's the rich man's Sasha. She comes face to ah. She comes face to face with that auroch at the end. Uh, those little pigs that they shot really big. To oh, that's way better than this movie. Yeah, but, I, yeah I didn't bracket. That's a good pull, though. I like that. Yeah, but as for as for going, you know, movies where a heroine comes nose to nose with a beast near the end of the movie. That's what I had. Uh, Dingus, but, what did you do for the your, whole uh-huh. reason? Or, uh, the whole thing of the bear coming out—it's just so fucking random. <laughs> that's okay. So is radiation bear, Dingus. That's what ba- bears are random. They just she has an randomly. animal thing. <laughs> Who, me? All right. So my under is a movie called Spring Breakers. Um, Spring Break! Kelly Wan, you got that in there before. We were laughing over something that was way funnier that you had previously said. I know. Sorry. But no, I, I did that, I, I did catch that reference earlier. That, I, I was Those jokes were killing too closely together. <laughs> Spring uh, Break! Wait, that was Alicia Vikander in Spring Break. What are you doing? Spring that makes no sense. <laughs> Spring Break. How about what if Ben Foster had been in Spring Break? Spring Break. Or, or. Dingus is high again. What if Leia had been in Spring Break? Spring Break. <laughs> the reason. Do this all night, bro. Actually, Spring Break should. Spring Breakers should probably be above this because uh, James Franco is so good and not terribly yeah, exactly. distracting the way uh, Sheila Booth is. It's just that the, the constant repetition drove me crazy. And the rep- in some of the obviousness of this, there's Mountain Dew at the beginning and then Mountain Dew at the end. Um, there's all that ridiculous Wizard of Oz imagery that's just so obvious. Um, so... I don't know. I don't. It was really hard to choose an under for this because I hate. I, I absolutely hate it. Dingus, how good do you think James Franco's character in Spring Breakers would be at selling magazines? <laughs> um, I think he'd be great at them because he would just buy them and then use them for rolling papers, probably. <laughs> Dental hygiene magazines. <laughs> And for my over, I, I chose a movie that would be very much over this, but still not a movie I like because I didn't get it. Uh, and that would be All the Real Girls. Um, and the reason uh, – I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm, why I'm choosing this other than for feel. Um, 
All the Real Girls is a movie that I disagree with Tom on. Tom really likes this movie a great deal, and I don't. It really frustrates me, uh, but I love the actors in it. Um, it. It just feels like the dialogue just feels weird and like they're trying too hard. Uh, and and it would be over this movie because the dialogue in this movie feels like it's improv, but nobody knows what improv is. Like that first exchange between Shia LaBeouf and Sasha Lane where they're like, everybody wants me. I don't. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. <laughs> it's really, are you guys just going to, is that, maybe the whole movie should just be like, yeah, I do. No, I don't. Yeah, no. No, you did. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah. No, you first. No, me. I mean, he wins the argument. Stuff. Uh, at least, at least all the real girls has a sense of of people trying, and 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 just saying things that sound poetic. Uh, and this movie reaches for that and just can't even grasp it. Dingus, do you have any dreams? You're supposed to say nobody's ever asked me that. Yeah, nobody has ever asked me that. And then we're going to repeat that later in the podcast, just so you know. <laughs> but then you say, somebody has now. Yeah, we were going to do that the second time we did it. Oh, dingus, you've screwed up oh. the structure of our podcast. Darn it. <laughs> right. Bad writing. I'll give you $1,000 to sit here with me on this podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know where that's going. Nope, not going to do it. Nope, turning down immediately. Kelly One, did you just hear what really? you propositioned was it, was me for? Was that supposed to be a... A thousand dollar hand job, honestly. That's I suspect more happened. They at least like talked afterwards, and he he told her his dreams, and she told him her dreams. How long's this take? <laughs> That's always worth like, Can you stop talking? I'm giving you a thousand bucks. Stop talking. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you guys remember what movie of the year we saw Riley Keough in? By the way. Yeah. Okay. Capable. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't even I, – I only knew that was her name because I looked it up to make sure that was her. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you know what we're talking about? Never. Uh, Kelly Wan, she was the one who, who hooks up with Nicholas Holt in Mad Max Fury Road. Riley Keough. Oh. She's he also, got sex on that movie? Well, they, they, she, well, he, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, no, she likes him. Like, she's the one – isn't that the one, Dingus? The one, uh, she, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, she takes him under her wing. Uh, I just love her character name. So that's Capable. not just Perlman as enough. She's also so good in a movie with Juno Temple called Jack and Diane, where Riley oh. Keough basically plays uh, Jack. She plays a boy, um, which oh. is, she's amazing at. Um, all right, is Kel, it, is it based on that? Is it? Does it? No, no, no. It's no. It's not based on John Cougar, Mel and Cap, or whatever. Uh, all right. Was Hilary Swank playing a boy in the Karate Kid remake? <laughs> That's a good one, Kelly. One. Kelly, what, what, bring house down. what are your over and under for uh, American Honey? My uh, bracketing was road movies about troubled women and or teens. <laughs> and or teens. <laughs> and or teens. <laughs> so my under is Nurse Betty, that movie with Renee Zellweger where yeah, she thought she was a soap opera that's star. That's a Neil LeBute movie. Yeah, Chris Rock scalps Aaron Eckhart in it, I think. Yeah, that's a weird one, yeah. Okay. Wow. And his dad, Morgan Freeman. I like that less than this. <laughs> and then my over for road movies about troubled women and or teens is Midnight Run. Oh! Well, actually, okay. That would have been funny. But yeah. uh, Kelly Wan, did you learn anything about dating when you watched American Honey? Shia LaBeouf's more like dumb friend material. One, two, three, little 
In the gaps in the music. Yeah, it sounds. No one knows what you're doing, Calvin. It sounds fine on the recording. You, nobody, nobody. They'll understand what I mean. They don't because they don't. Know. Eating no, but they'll go. Oh, Kelly's saying interesting things for no reason. Uh, yeah, just to win-win. Case, win. case anybody cares, evil. they can't hear the music very well. So like, that's what Kelly's saying. Wants. Peeps during the music. Obviously, he can't hear it. This week's three by three is whispering, <laughs> Kelly Wand. What? Yeah, exactly. Since, Kelly Wand, you're introducing our 3x3, three three, uh, next, next week, why don't you start us off? What's your third favorite example of whispering in a film or motion picture? I really like my choices because there's so few of them to choose from, I thought. Mm-hmm. My number three is from the movie uh, Enough Said, starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus and uh, James Gandolfini, where they debate what whispering is because she says he can't do it. Although she's oh. Kind of oh, wow, that's great. That's a great one, Kelly Wand. This is whispering. This is whispering. This is whispering. <laughs> oh, Kelly Wand, you just made me like this topic even more. Yeah, yeah. Like, well oh, done. Awesome. Might be, maybe my good one, but the other two are all right. But I like that. So that's my number three, because I like the debate about what a whisper right, is. Right, right. It seems like a harsh... I didn't know there was a harder. debate about that, but that's great. Did you guys yeah, watch uh, The Night you know. Of, that HBO miniseries? It was so uh, weird seeing James Gandolfini's name on the on the credits. Uh, oh, he's in it? No, no, no. He he produced it. He was in it before. He, I think he was casting it before he died. But uh, uh, he's he's listed as a producer. It was so weird seeing that every time that I mean, like sad mm-hmm. weird uh, every time that, that I watch that. It's weird. Yeah, I was gonna say. Weird. Oh, you, I couldn't get the bat off my shoulder. Well done, Kelly. Well, Dingus, how about getting the bat off your shoulder for your third favorite example of whispering in a motion picture? All right, here's a quote from it. Um, not the cheese, the keys. <laughs> Young Frankenstein? No. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it, it sounds like a Woody Allen movie. No, it's oh. from a movie called The Mask. Oh, God. With Eric Stoltz? Old... No, not Mask. <laughs> the Mask. <laughs> yeah. What um, if the it... Jim Carrey mask turned in the Eric Stoltz face? <laughs> I think point. it did. And, yeah, I think that happens later in the movie. Um, this is one of the one of the two laughs I had in this movie, and I really, really love this moment because this is Milo the dog, uh, and Jim Carrey's in a jail cell, and he's he's uh, he needs to break out of the jail cell in order to save uh, Cameron Diaz, um, and he's talking to Milo the dog, who's a super smart little dog. It's a great, great little. Uh, I've always loved this joke. There's two jokes in this movie I like. The first joke comes right before this when Jim Carrey is carefully, just ever so carefully putting toilet paper down on the toilet seat in his jail cell. <laughs> he's laying it out over there. Just to be so careful because he's about to, you know, go to the bathroom in there. Um, and the, and the oh, cop, he, oh, he, it, it, he's just so being he's so dainty. He's being okay. so dainty about it. You know, just because whenever you go to a public restroom, you know, you usually put seat covers down, but in the old days, you would just put toilet paper down over the seat. He's just being so careful and so dainty. 
Um, but the uh, the cop who's looking after him in the jail cell has fallen asleep, and he calls his dog. He gets his dog to jump up into the cell with him, and then he sends Milo, who's a super smart dog, over to get the cop's keys. He says, "All right, Milo, go get those keys." And then so Milo goes and jumps up on the desk, and he picks up this piece of Swiss cheese off of the cop's sandwich and turns back toward Jim Carrey, like expectantly, like, "Okay, That's I got it." Dog. And Jim Carrey whispers, not the cheese, the keys, drop the cheese. It's not the cheese, the keys. I might have to change one of my picks because you just made me think of one, Dingus. Damn it. I I just love that stupid, stupid joke. So that's one of the two jokes you like in The Mask? Yeah, that and and putting toilet paper on the toilet. I, I don't think it's a good movie. Um... But I love that moment. Oh, I, I thought those were related. Okay, never mind. No, those <laughs> are two different jokes. But I just love that. Not the cheese. The keys. And he's doing that stage whisper so that the cop doesn't wake up. So that Milo can take the keys out of the cop's pocket. That Jim Carrey. He's a pill. I don't know if I used uh, that correctly. What's, what's really horrible for me is that I thought... For some reason, I had this delusion that that this joke was in Ace Ventura. So I started watching Ace Ventura this week. In that movie, oh my god, it is so awful to try to watch that movie. It is such – it's so awful to try to watch it. Yeah, what were you I thinking? I like the second one. The first one sucks. I think people were crazy. He's horrible. He's absolutely He's super bad at it. Horrible. He's trying so hard. He's shying out. And luckily, some some trigger went off in my brain as I was a little ways into the movie, and and that trigger said, "He's not going to wind up in jail." You're thinking of the mask, you idiot. Oh, and you could have watched all of Ace Ventura. <laughs> I, and, and I got to bail on that and watch the mask instead. And you know, it is really great actually seeing Cameron Diaz kind of be introduced to us. She's she's very funny. She's super hot. Um, it, it, the movie yeah. works on some levels. Uh, and what's his name? Peter, the guy from, oh God, Rieger. No, no. It, well, Peter Rieger is in it as well, but um, Bogdanovich. Uh, the, no, the creepy dude from Nichols. Uh, Nichols from Nichols. Usual Suspects. Green, Green, Peter Green. Peter Green is in it, and uh, he's really good. Um, oh yeah, he's the there's... he's the villain, right? Right, yeah. That's it. Yeah, he's the villain. Um, and you went to Usual Suspects and not the Pulp Fiction scene that you talked about earlier, huh? Oh, exactly, yeah. Interesting. Obviously. obviously hmm. pulp, pulp Fiction. What are the two jokes you liked in Son of the Mask with Jamie Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who plays, who's in Son of the Mask? Jamie Kennedy. Ooh, God. Oh, my God. That Ooh, that's painful. It's pretty rough. Wow. It's kind of worth watching a little of just to go. Why do you hate Jamie Kennedy? Uh, you asking me? So yeah, he Dingus, sucks. Yeah, I, Dingus. I recently watched a horror movie called The Sand, and uh, in case you're wondering, it's about sand that kills people. Uh, these teenagers they go out to have a beach party, and when they wake up, everybody's missing. But everybody who's around, there's like a couple people in the car. There's one woman asleep on a picnic bench. Uh, there's a, a, a black guy who's been put in a trash barrel as a prank, and he passed out. And they wake up, and everybody's gone. 
And they're like, well, where did everybody go? Oh, well. And the girl on the bench, she gets off the bench, and the sand, like, sends up these tentacles and eats her and kills her. So it's these people are trapped on the sand, and they have to find a way to, like, get off of the beach without touching the sand, and there's a monster under there. It's really stupid. But the highlight of the movie, (laughs) acting-wise, is when Jamie Kennedy shows up as a beach security guard. And it that just tells you all you need to know about the sand. I'm not convinced he can even swim. <laughs> <laughs> well, he drives up in one of those uh, like like uh, Seems too Land Rover over. things. Not a, not a lifeguard. Like he's he's the guy who drives around in a Land Rover up and down the beach. Oh. I like his Activision work, but I don't like his movies. Well, yeah. all I think of when I think of him driving is him in Three Kings. He's driving in Three that. Kings. Oh, he's oh he's the wait no he's in Three Kings. Isn't he the guy who drives around in that buggy and drives? Wow, Dingus might be right, Kelly Wand. I'm stunned to even hear this. I never knew this. I'm pretty sure he's the guy in Three Kings. Huh. That's, that's basically. He drives around in it. What'd you say? He drives around in it. Well, I know that's what his... Dingus is talking about. The the buggy pilot or not pilot driver. Yeah, the guy who drives yeah. the buggy. Yeah. God, I don't remember that. All right. That's not the. Uh, that's not the. Sure. That's not the guy from uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? The uh, we thought you was a Toad guy, Tim um, Tim Blake Nelson. John no, no, I, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that's Jamie Kennedy. Wow. All right. Now I feel bad. Okay, I don't it's like the only him. thing I know him from. Okay, then I do like some of Jamie Kennedy's work. Uh, Dingus, you've done something that uh, I'm going to go ahead and admit to this. I could have gotten away with this without saying it, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and change my number three pick from what it was. <laughs> it's now been booted to the runners up. My favorite, my number three favorite instance of whispering is Jim Carrey and Cable Guy when they're playing uh, Password with Ben Stiller's family. And the, That's the, a good one. the password is nipple. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know if that's cheating, but something just got booted. You made me think of that dingus. So uh, You have till it's your turn. Good. Okay, good. Now my list is finalized. Kelly Wan, what is your second favorite instance? Uh, you know, the Cable Guy's really good, isn't it? You guys are yeah, with me uh, on this. The Cable no, Guy's like I like Dumb and Dumber, and I like Cable Guy. Yeah. Who directed Cable movie? Guy? Do you guys remember? Didn't Ben Stiller do it ben himself? Stiller. Ben yeah. Stiller directed yeah. it? Didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he did. It's another it's reason it's an anomaly. Like, I don't find he's done sketch. Like, I, I don't find Ben Stiller that funny, but I think Cable Guy's got this great dark edge. Topic Thunders are, right? Oh, and you know the reason I know he directed it is because he also cast himself in it as those uh, killer brothers, those twins yeah. that murdered their parents. Um, so this stuff's funny. Because yeah, Tropic Thunder doesn't work for me. I'm not a Tropic Thunder apologist, I'm afraid. You don't like Downey Jr. in it? I do, but the overall the movie it doesn't work for me. And isn't that the one he with Tom Cruise? It. It doesn't Tom yeah. Cruise have a weird part in it? Yeah. Yeah, he's bald and fat. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. He's playing. All right, Kelly Wan, give us your second favorite instance of whispering in a movie. I like in Zero Dark Thirty at the end where uh, they Night, go, Kelly Wan, your it. your picks are awesome. Go ahead. Oh, and that guy's all Osama. <laughs> That's enough. I like that. Uh, Dingus, can you believe he pulled that one? That's a nice one, Kelly Wan. No, I don't even know what he's talking about. Oh, I'm explain totally, it. Explain totally That's a great moment right now. Explain it to him, Kelly Wan. Yeah, it's in the last uh, fifteen minutes of uh, Zero Dark Thirty, and they've the. 
the team oh. busted into the building and they're creeping around and it's just this, it's a super suspenseful scene and they're like the planes crash they're like making one guy like hold off a hostile crowd outside in the middle of the night while they sneak into the house and they're trying to flush out Osama bin Laden and <laughs> they go up floor by floor well they've killed and, the bodyguards pretty much yeah, and they just know the there's someone at the top and one of the the uh, the, the SEAL team killed a woman yeah and one of the SEAL team guys and it's almost it's like weirdly playful uh, yeah. Like whispers up to the stairs, Osama. It's it's just weird. Yeah. It's yeah. Weird. It's weird on a lot of levels, and it's weird that that would have been the last word that he heard. And it makes me, I don't know. It's just it, it makes me wonder if that's a real thing. Like that was reported as like what the guy said. That's a great. He went choice. Up, called out his yeah. name, and he eventually came out. And like if he fell for it. But it's such a like. It's also like, hey, remember nine eleven, Osama? Like it's a total taunt. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you're in your house, bitch. Get ready. I don't Bombs think it's going to be a taunt. I think isn't he trying to like? It's playful, like Tom said. Like it's not. He's playful, isn't he? Trying to say, hey, it's okay. Come on out. No, no. <laughs> well, if so, then that that's I don't that's an outright deception. <laughs> I but I think it really is. They know they've got him at that point. They know that there's oh. one floor left. Uh, he doesn't come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to burst. I thought it was yeah. more like what? Kelly. Kelly, like Kelly. Why would they be whispering what? that? <laughs> like, so he would come out and they could shoot him. a bunch of gunshots already. Yeah, no, if I wanted Kelly to come out, I'd be like, Kelly, come out. Like, <laughs> Kelly! Maybe, maybe you're playing a game with him. Maybe you're trying to play a game. <laughs> We're going to play the be very quiet game, Kelly Wand. I'm going to lure you out of the room. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Kelly, Kelly Wand, terrible at that the, game. This never happens, Dingus, where Kelly picks something where now I hate all of my picks because his and it's his only his number two choice. I know, I know. He's totally he's totally winning. I think the the person who chose uh, Sunset Boulevard has chosen his picks this week. <gasps> Kelly Wan, did you get help because you cheated and had an no, excellent I got pick for? All right, you had an excellent pick for empty swimming pools last week that wasn't even your pick. That's true. This time I got really lucky. All right. I usually no, you did not get lucky. You worked. We believe in you. Dingus, what is your second? It's a tough act to follow. I'm glad I'm not going next. Dingus, what's your second favorite whisper in a movie? All right, here's a quote from it. Larry, I'm so fucking scared. Please hold me. Midnight Run? No. Uh, it's um, it's from the movie Reservoir Dogs, uh, and it's when uh, Mr. White um, is lying on the floor bleeding, and he asks oh. Mr. Orange to hold him. I was thinking and, it was like a joke, like when you said it, like they were goofing around. Yeah. No, no. Um, he's he's totally scared he's going to die. He hasn't revealed that he's a cop, of course. Uh, and so Mr. White asks uh, Mr. Orange to hold him. Uh, but he knows his name is Larry because they've talked about their names. They shouldn't have, but they have. Um, and uh, as uh, Mr. Orange takes the comb out of his pocket, uh, he he – scooches over and and holds Mr. White and as he's as he's holding him he leans down and he whispers into his ear something and you don't hear what he's whispering you just hear him you just see him lean down and whisper down into Mr. White's ear uh, and uh, and Tim Roth as Mr. White is in huge amount of pain because he's been shot in the gut and he's bleeding all over everything um, and whatever he whispers makes makes Mr. White laugh um, he just he just starts laughing. He, his face kind of breaks out into this weird grimace of joy, it, because it's it's a grimace because he's in pain, but he's also full of joy or just laughter because of whatever um, 
whatever has been whispered into his ear and you can't hear it. Uh, it's just between those two characters. And I love that. I love that kind of moment. I love that little moment in this movie. And, and I kept trying to remember there was, there were, I, I kept thinking it was from, yeah, forgive me if this is one of yours. I doubt it is. I, I kept thinking it was something from one of the lethal weapon movies where they're holding each other and somebody whispers to somebody else. But finally I, I came upon it into my head that it was these two guys and it was Harvey Keitel leaning down to whisper something into um, Tim Roth's ear. So, Dingus, I think on the director's commentary track, they explain that, that he whispered to him that Tarantino's fly had been open all day. If that's what the whisper really? was. No, I made that up. Oh, Tom. They're going, to make, they're going to make a remake of Reservoir Dogs as a TV yeah. show. Did you know that? <gasps> Lethal Weapon starts – oh, has it already started, actually? Lethal Weapon yes. is uh, on Fox. It's already started with uh, Clayne Crawford. Uh, and one of those weigh-ins. Kelly Wand, have you seen it? No. Oh, I'm so excited. Why? <laughs> so you're excited about it? Uh, I, do like, I do like Clayne Crawford. Yeah. I'm excited that the guy's doing a lead on a TV series. Who so. plays Patsy Kenza? Oh, that's right. Was she only in one of the Lethal Weapons, though? Like, don't they yeah, change women? She, yeah, she was only in two. She gets uh, number two. She gets whacked. Oh. The same way as his wife does. And they killed his wife. Those dicks. No, not the same way they killed his wife. His wife got killed in a car accident. She got killed by drowning. Yeah, Kelly Wand. She might have been in a car and then flew out of the window, though. Yeah, but she's not given cement boots the way Patsy Kenzen is. That's so sad. Yeah. That's mean to just you drop him in and then he sees her. I actually like Patsy Kenzen a lot in that movie. Well, who doesn't? I mean, you, you say that like that's a controversial thing. Every Hershey's awesome. kisses nipples. Whoa, whoa, no, Kelly Wand. She looks so good. Yeah, she has good nipples. What? Um, but what what I really like about her is them in that gro- in that market scene early on, where her accent totally disrails him, and he he can't uh, he. Uh, Mel Gibson can't hold on to his American accent, such as it is, when <laughs> listening to her South African accent. And he's trying to convince her to come back to his trailer, or not his trailer, but his his RV, to make chili. And, and he cannot. All he can do is, you know, keep dribbling into his Australian accent because he gets so confused by her South African accent. It's like Carrie Fisher with Peter Cushing in Star Wars. <laughs> She does her own accents. Their accents are oceans apart. <laughs> My second favorite example of whispering in a movie, uh, and I wished I'd gotten back to go look. It kind of doesn't even matter what they're saying. It's a kind of a courtship. Uh, a guy named Christian and a chick named Mara who work together. She's his boss. They go into what's called a whisper room, and they have a dialogue, and it's really whispering, and it's just completely silent in there. It's like for recording. And it's an early scene in a movie called They Look Like People. Uh, and there's just oh, I don't know if I've seen that. Uh, you didn't. It's not for you, Dingus. Unfortunately. Okay. Uh, and it's just uh, she's like reading his palm. Uh, I'm not even sure there's stuff relevant about the movie. And I just got the sense that the guy who made the movie thought this is a really cool place. Let's have these characters talk to each other. And it makes the conversation, regardless of what you could be talking about in there, you could be talking about stocks or whatever, and it would be. Co- it sounds completely intimate in a whisper room like that. Right. I do love that scene. Kelly Wand, it is now time for you to tell us the – because I'm looking forward to this. After your first two, what is the best whisper in a movie? What's that like the taste of butter and pretty dress? What's that like to live deliciously? 
Oh, God dang it. Can you believe that, Dingus? No. He did it. He did fall. see a book before thee. Remove thy shift. Whatever you do, don't say don't say the scariest part, which is I will guide thy hand. Don't say that. Don't say that. I will guide thy hand. He just told you not to. Kelly Wan, I'm terrified. I'm not gonna be able to sleep for days, Kelly Wan. See, taps into her fears of goats. You didn't get any help. No. You came up with all three of these yourself. I'm a genius for once. I never knew you had it in you. Well, yeah, tell I can't us believe what I didn't think of that. From. Yeah. Come on, tell us it's, it's from the witch, obviously. That's Black Phillip. I don't. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I've already spoiled it, but I wouldn't want to spoil it if you haven't seen the witch. But the witch is my number one. But it's Man. from the end. Which. That's great. <laughs> Kelly wins. Damn. Do you guys know what uh, Anya Taylor Joy's uh, most recent movie is? Like what she was in after The Witch? No. Okay, you guys. Am I scared? Should I not want to know? No, you guys. Uh, I've, I've told you before. You you still haven't seen Morgan. I'm disappointed in both of you. Oh. You haven't seen Wild or Morgan. I've seen Guten. Is that? What's Guten? It's the one right before Morgan. I'm gluten free. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Dickens, it is time for you to tell us your favorite whispering from either Midnight Run or Rushmore. Or Rushmore, rated R. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's a quote from it. What kind of restaurant makes you cook your own food? I feel like I should know this. I feel like it's even Reading. recent. Uh, this should be the most obvious of all choices for whispering, uh, and this is this is lost in translation. Uh, this is my absolute favorite whispering moment in the movie ever, ever, um, and that's the moment at the end of Lost in Translation, uh, because uh, my standard belief uh, after watching this and this has happened time and again is I, I don't often truck with the idea of there's two types of people in this world, but this is one of those. There's two types of people in this world, and it's people who absolutely want to know what he whispers to her at the end of Lost in Translation, and there's people who think that the movie is absolutely made by the fact that you don't know what he whispers to her at the end of Lost in Translation. Um, and so two of my my picks, Reservoir Dogs and this, are things that you don't know what they're whispering. And I really, I really love that idea that um, – that, that that feeling of intimacy that is contained in that particular moment between these two characters and between those two characters in, in Reservoir Dogs as well. And this feeling that um, unlike uh, something that goes on on stage, uh, in, a, in a movie we expect to be privy to every single thing that is going on. And this idea that we're not absolutely involved to the extent that we know every single thing going on between the two of them, that there is something that is more intimate that we are allowed to know, but we understand their relationship a little bit better because of the way they react to what happens between the two of them in this in this contained private moment. I love this idea of a private moment that goes on um, on a movie screen and that that Sophie Coppola has found a way to make a private moment within that that's even private from us in in being so closely um, brought into the characters' lives that we're even still excluded from this little tiny 
bubble of a private moment. Um, and I think that perfectly encapsulates what a whisper is. That idea of why you're whispering to somebody uh, is to is to share something only with that person. And Bill Murray's character is sharing this just with Scarlett Johansson's character and not even with us. All we get to see is the reaction of that. That 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 I think that is the perfect encapsulation of what a whisper is. Um, you know, as a parent, you, you often uh, talk to your kids about, you know, don't don't whisper to me when other people are in the room. If we need to go and have a talk about something, look, you know, let's leave the room. And and if you need to say something to me privately, we'll have a see some we'll say something to each other privately. But whispering in front of other people excludes them from the conversation and and is is rude in a way but in this particular way of looking at it it's it's a private moment that even we as the audience are excluded from and i really kind of love that and i love the fact that we don't know we don't know we don't know what bill Murray's character says to her at the end of that movie and that's that's Ultimately, what seals I, – I mean, watching Lost in Translation again this week was such a joy. It is such a joy to watch. It is so – it is so uh, – it's so enjoyable watching Scarlett Johansson do this part. She's so good at it, and Bill Murray is so good in it. Everybody is. Um, and and getting to that point in the movie again that I was anticipating because that's why I watched the movie again. Oh my god, I had such a great time watching the movie, and that pays off every single time I watch it. I don't want to know what he says to her um, because it's between the two of them. Uh, in the commentary track, he explains that uh, he told her that Sofia Coppola's slip was showing. What's what's <laughs> gr- what's great is that. Um, uh. Uh, the my the person I originally saw the movie with, who's my ex-wife, um, hated that moment because she didn't know what they said, uh, and that made her not like the movie. Uh, and when we got the DVD, we had to put on the subtitles to find out what what. Oh. <laughs> What do the subtitles do? I'm guessing the word inaudible in brackets or something. It says uh, whispered muttering, I think, basically. (laughs) Muttering, that makes sense. Or inaudible or whatever. It does not not allow what he says. Muttering sounds – That's what he actually said. Yeah, muttering has a little bit too much of an editorial bent. I would not be happy if that was the subtitle. Yeah, it just says says whispering. It doesn't say what he says. And that that is so gratifying to me that that Sofia Coppola – will not allow us to know what that is. I love that. I love it so much. Uh, I wonder what the subtitle says in Reservoir Dogs at that moment. Huh. Maybe we could find out. Uh, my uh, it actually says um, it's going to be okay or something. It's, it doesn't match what's going on. Ew. One of the subtitle tracks says something dumb. Like, uh, okay. which, which doesn't match at all for the fact that that Tim Roth then just starts laughing. I mean, there's obviously something personal going on between the two of them. And then Harvey Cattell starts to comb his hair. I mean, it's just, it's such an intimate, beautiful moment between the two of them. And I don't want to know what he says. Again, maybe it's it's supposed to be whispering. He maybe thinks it's funny that Harvey Cattell says it's going to be okay. That could be like an inside joke between the two of them. Right. I just picture the guy doing the subtitles thinking it's his job to try and hear it. He's like, I didn't mix it right. I have to come up with something. Fuck. He isn't really still Is he a German? Is there a German editor on that movie for subtitles? <laughs> He's doing the subtitles on that movie? Ah, 
I fuck her. Uh, my favorite whispering in a movie you do clearly hear uh, is um, in Z for Zachariah when Chewie Giafor brings Margot Robbie into the room and explains to her, it's okay if you want to get something going with Chris Pine. Uh, it's so difficult for him to say that. It's mm-hmm. so painful for him to admit that. Uh, and he, there's such weird urgency to him wanting to express himself to her, and she's not whispering in the conversation because that's just how she's not on the same level with him, <laughs> this whole idea. She's just talking back to him normally, like, why are you whispering? Why do you think I'd want to do good. that? I don't want to do that. And Chuila Giafor, it's just it's hurting him so much to have to say it out loud that he can't even say it full voice. It's just such a it's such a it's weird, like remains of the day. Yeah, is it a whispering remains of the day? No, but like he's just undone. <laughs> Which is yeah, yeah, and uh, refining his romance novel. Yeah, being unable to sort of express yeah right. how he right. feels. Uh, Guys feeling dumb. The listeners have for favorite whispers. Uh, Chris Markinson says, um, "Lost in translation, number three. So so far, mm-hmm. Dingus wins. Uh oh." Dingus, this one, I'm thinking. I don't know. Let's see what it is. He chooses, he chooses for his number two, Moon. Do you know what he might be Ooh. talking about? Oh, is there is there some... Uh, is it when he asks Gertie if there's somebody else in here? Oh, let's find out. I like that. Uh, Moon, near the start of the movie, Sam gets a video message from his wife. No. Uh, you can see the three years of being alone on the moon have taken their toll on Sam. And when his wife says, I love you and I miss you, he whispers back, I love you and I miss you. I really like oh, the look on sweet. Sam Rockwell's face during this scene. And his whispered sentiments hit home with the loneliness. I do remember what you're talking about, though, Ding. Is that is there someone else in here? When does he say that? Um, when you know, when he wakes up and the other Sam is in the room and he asks Gertie, "Is there someone else in here?" I don't know if it's a whisper, though. That's a good. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh my gosh, Markinson, awesome. Uh, Markinson, this is right up there with Kelly Wan's picks. Uh, the quote is, "What did she whisper to you?" Uh, near the end of Brick, Nora Zeitner is unhappy uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and she whispers something to him at the end of the conversation they have. When asked this by his friend, Gordon-Levitt says, she called me a dirty word. Oh, that's that a good one. So noir. Yeah. That is so very noir. <laughs> that is awesome. Damn, Chris. Chris. Iconic. Kelly Wan, that might be the only one that upstages one, some of yours. Paul Weimer says, I am not going to be silent about my personal theme for this uh, for uh, for this person, this three by three on whispers, he says, "Lost in translation." Um, uh. What number two? Oh, yeah, okay. I thought there was a movie called uh, Grandpa Movie Time. Uh, he's saying this is a grandpa movie. <laughs> grandpa Wait, movie time. With cocoons original title. <laughs> uh, I think he's making fun of me because I think anything that was made before 1960 is a grandpa movie. Actually, anything before 1970. Those are movies your grandpa talks about. Uh, yeah. In Key Largo, Nora, played by Lauren Bacall, has a chilling scene with the menacing gangster Rocco, played by Edward... <laughs> now, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh, Paul Weimer. Even I know this is a screw-up. Uh, Paul Weimer seems to think that Rocco is played by Edward J. Robinson. Uh, Edward J. Robinson. Yeah, any relation, I wonder? Edward G. Robinson is what that should be. Uh, We only see their silhouettes against the wall with no verbal dialogue, but her response to the words he whispers in her ear is a truly epic slap to the face. Mm. What is it? What? What's the words? Uh, It says there's no verbal dialogue, so I'm assuming that means Uh, you would never get the words. It's It's hard to whisper a slap, huh? The slap is probably audible, too, I'm guessing. Oh. Uh, 
Uh, and then number one, okay, so I see he mentions he mentions Ex Machina. Do you guys know what he might be talking about? The baby. <laughs> no, it's when they're. <laughs> Remember when she said that next one? <laughs> you know, Kelly, one, you're going to make it difficult for me to watch Ex Machina again with your. She's an Oscar-winning actress. <laughs> I'm doing her homage. Is it when um, Caleb when Caleb is talking to her about their plan during the? The power down? I can imagine. Let's find out. Uh, Paul Weimer. We get a scene where Ava, newly freed from the room she spent her entire life in. Oh, no. This is even better, Dingus. Oh. Uh, we get a scene where Ava whispers to Kyoko, uh, one of the other robot chicks. We don't hear the dialogue, but their murderous team-up revenge on Oscar Isaacs afterwards makes it clear what was said. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. That is good. Is it Isaac or Isaacs? Uh, it's Oscar Isaac, isn't it? There's only Oscar one of them. Oscar Oscars. There's a Jason Isaacs, plural, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Arthur Genevangelelli yeah. says, number three. Wow. <laughs> the la- I've, I know Italian, you guys. I don't know if you could tell. The Last King oh, yeah, of yeah. Scotland. Just before Forrest Whitaker has James McAvoy hung up with meat hooks. Haha. Ha, mm. uh, McAvoy whispers to the dictator... You have the mind and ego of an angry, spoiled, uneducated child, and that's what makes you so effing scary. Mm. You tell him, James McAvoy. James McAvoy hung up on meat hooks. I don't remember that, but that's I, I'm okay with that happening. That's what um, what Bill Murray whispers to Scarlett Johansson as well. <laughs> you have the mind and ego of an angry, spoiled, uneducated child, and that's what makes you so effing scary. Dingus, I like your fan edit for Lost in Translation. It's a little dark, but I like it. If you're a vegetarian, they tie you to steaks instead of hanging from meat hooks. Okay, what were we going to say? <laughs> uh, okay. uh, Arthur's number two pick is Inglorious Bastards. Do you guys know the moment? Uh, uh, fuck. No. I like Is it. it the first scene where he's where Christoph Waltz is whispering yeah, very to the good guy. Everyone. Yep, you got it. Uh, so Arthur mm-hmm. writes, after Christoph Waltz has broken down, the actor's name I guess is Dennis Minoche, he whispers, you are sheltering enemies of the state, are you not? Waltz continues to whisper until he's concluded the people beneath the floorboards don't speak English. At oh. which point he resumes speaking at normal volume, even sw- speaking switching back to French at the end of the scene. Yeah, I love the language bit they do in that scene. It's a good pick, Arthur. Oh, okay. So there's apparently good whispering in Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. I'm not remembering it, but let's find out. After Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey have watched the memory of a beach house disintegrate, Winslet convinces Carrey to come back and make up a goodbye. When he goes back to her, she leans in and whispers, Oh, yeah, meet me in Montauk in his ear. Because that line is... For Jim Carrey performances, it's no The Mask. And it's no, uh, it's no nipple in Cable Guy either. Nick no D. nipple. Uh, number three, All of Me. As Steve yeah. Martin, with Lily Tomlin inside him, tries to sneak into the evil stable daughter's house with a blind jazz musician and a Hindu guru who barely speaks English, uh, he tries to whisper for the others to be quiet. But the blind guy keeps knocking over lamps, and the guru can only repeat what Steve Martin says. So when he shushes them, it just leads to a series of increasingly loud shushes. Nick D. describes this as, quote, hilarious bit of slapstick, end quote. I like it. Number two, Waiting for Guffman. 
It's just a quick moment, he writes. But I love it when Bob Balaban approaches Christopher Guest and starts whispering a question to him. Christopher Guest asks, why are you whispering? I'm right here. When Bob Balaban changes to speak normally, Guest says, well, now it's too loud. (laughs) Okay. Have you guys seen Mascot, the new Christopher Guest thing? No. It's a series, right? Is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Is it a it's series? got Zach Woods in it as a mascot. Yeah. Good to know. Oh, uh, here we go. Look. Uh, I just saw that uh, online somewhere or other, you had mentioned Tony Carvalho earlier. He, he seems like he thinks that's horrible. What? What's horrible? Mascots. Oh, oh, oh. You know what? You can't trust his taste, though. Our friend Tony Carnavale, he doesn't like anything that's fun. Because remember, here's here's this is indicative. Tony Carnavale's one-line review for Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy is, and this says a lot about him. God bless him. Is Space Bro and the Who Cares Gang? Uh, that's right. <laughs> so I'm not sure I t- trust Tony Car- Carnavale's taste on lighter fare. All right, that's a good point. Uh, oh, Richard Libertini. Who's that? Sorry, I, I just had a yeah. tragic moment. Richard Libertini is the is the dude in All of Me. I love the movie All of Me. I just haven't seen it in forever, but he's the guru. He he's the guy who's constantly going fix bull, then put back in bull. Oh, he says I bull. Loved, I loved Richard Libertini in that movie. Well, there are hilarious bits of slapstick in that movie. I hear he's a real jewel of the Nile. I may have never seen that. Why is L- Lily Tomlin's inside? Like he's possessed by Lily Tomlin? Yeah. Well, she dies and goes into his body as a ghost. Long story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he had to be there. <laughs> so he has to be in a mirror to see her. So there's a lot of mirrors. So oh, like when he up. stands in a mirror, I bet it looks like it's like a shot of Lily Tomlin in front of a mirror. Is that the deal? Right. Yeah. So when they pee, never mind. Uh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> Nick Beat's number one pick. Enough said. Julie Louise Dreyfus picks on James ah. Gandolfini at a dinner party by telling the others he can't whisper and he really can't. But he doesn't yeah. take the ribbing well. All right, runners-up. My runner-up that got booted from the list. Uh, in Rocket Science, when Reese Thompson's character is trying to overcome his stutter, one of the things that it's recommended is that he tries whispering. Uh, oh. This little debate argument. It doesn't work, but there's a cute scene where he's trying to whisper uh, to overcome his stuttering. Uh, runners-up. Like but but um, unfortunately, it's not as good as Jim Carrey whispering the word nipple in uh, Cable Guy, <laughs> which, is why I didn't, which is why I chose that instead for the duration of this entire week. Oh. Uh, other runners up? I have two. Uh, that scene with uh, Wormtongue and Theoden, uh, right before Gandalf casts Wormtongue out, um, you know, where Wormtongue is whispering in Theoden's ear as Gandalf comes in, and he's telling him, you know, he is a herald of woe. And he's with, I mean, the whole point of Wormtongue is that he's whispering horrible things in order to keep the spell going for uh, over Theoden. Get a load of this true. nerd, Kelly Wand. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you guys remember that? Come on, Wormtongue yeah, is totally uh, a whisperer. Uh, would, have sex with your niece. Would, uh, would Kellyanne Conway be Donald Trump's Wormtongue? Actually, Donald Trump doesn't need a worm tongue. No, that doesn't even. He's that, his own worm tongue. Yeah, that, worm that whole tongue. analogy just falls apart He's as soon as I start. Petrol motion machine. Yeah. Worm tonguey. Uh, what's your second? Your other runner-up? Giuliani wants to be his worm tongue. My other one is from the opening uh, scene after after the chorus uh, intro of uh, of Henry V, which somebody will get mad at me for not calling Henry V. Um, Those English take their kings very seriously, Dingus. Henry V. They do. They should. 
Um, and it's when I, I guess it's, Henry. it's when the two um, religious guys are having their scene uh, where they're where they're plotting to get England to go to war. Uh, but it's not exactly whispering. They're just being very careful and in very low voices. And I watched it again this week to, to think, are they whispering in that scene? Because there's this whole expositional like, oh, well, how do we how are we going to do this? Um and they keep watching the door to see who's walking by. But the moment of whispering that I really like is uh, after um, after Kenneth Branagh, you know, says, you, you guys have to be very careful. Uh, you're about to set us to war. I hope you know what you're doing. And so they, they lay out this whole thing about why uh, the king has the right to claim these these lands. He has the right to claim France. And they end up on either side of him whispering in his ears about, basically, about going to war and how they'll take the sin on themselves, but they're whispering in his ears as they do it. Uh, I mentioned earlier Tim Blake Nelson's uh, We Thought You Were a Toad. That's great whispering. Yeah. In Over That's the really, Road Art uh, It's a really good choice, actually. Yeah. We thought you was a toad. That's some great stage whispering there, yeah. Kelly Wan, yeah. any runners up from you? You had three great. You know what, Kelly Wan? You just don't even have runners up. Yeah. Yours are yeah, your, yours are awesome. You totally win this. However, Kelly Wan, we do need to know what is your three by three topic for next week, and how can the listeners participate? Well, we've done three best oceans. We've done three best watch parts. What's left? <clears throat> except three best eyeballs. If you would like to participate in the three by three best eyeballs in movies, <laughs> wait, hold, hold your, on, hold wait, on. hold on a second. Here. Have, we, have we not done eyes or, or anything like Dingus? You're our, you're our official archivist. You would know. We haven't done eyes, have we? You would Come on, think. That's I mean, idiotic. I don't know. Yeah, Dingus. Yeah, we Dingus We've done eyes. We've got to have done like close up shots of eyes or something like that. I don't. Maybe we haven't. It just seems to me like I wished I'd thought of that if we hadn't done it. But if we have, right, I guess we haven't. I'm not seeing it on the list. <gasps> Man, see, I could have sworn. But now you're specifying eyeballs, like not the just yeah. the face of an eye. So an actual eye, an eye as a as a sphere, as a ball. Well, yeah, but or a hemisphere. Oh, so just the front of an eye, which just uh, the you know, circumference. Yeah, I, I shouldn't I have asked. I got for sure we've done something like this. We've got to have. We've done glasses. We've probably done Should eyebrows. No, I mean, We've if done you, Kelly No, no, if I, I can't, I can't see it on the list. So, Dingus is our official archivist. It's if he doesn't. No, Chris Markinson is our archivist. I, I merely look at lists. Well, that's what, what, an, me, that's what an archivist can do as well. You, you're the, like can be the. Yeah, you got heart. You're the vice archivist. <laughs> All right, so Kelly, I'm sorry I interrupted you. I shouldn't have. You, you were going so. Just eyeballs is what you've said. Do you need? I, yeah. yeah. I just shouldn't so if you want to be part of that magic and hear me misread your opinions of what the three best eyeballs in movies are, as my housekeeper turns on a vacuum cleaner, send your choices to three x three at quarter to three dot com, and I will misread them on the air. And hopefully, if you can think of any, internet. if you can think of any tortured plots of anime, plea that involve yeah, eyeballs. I'll- with lots of Japanese that. names, please send those in. That it says Kelly Wan's forte when it comes to reading yeah. three by three. I like the everything. <laughs> it's that genre. Uh, next week we're going to see a movie directed by Jonas Cuaron, the brother of Alfonso Cuaron, uh, called Desierto. Um, so see that, and if you have any thoughts about Desierto, it means open. 
<laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I know <laughs> what it means. Uh, it, send your uh, thoughts about it in a separate email from your eyeball, 3x3s, to 3x3x3.com. We'd love to know what you think of it. Uh, and join us for a discussion of Desierto and then a discussion of eyeballs next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian McClinsky. Yeah, it's Christian Morosky. And we had uh, Kelly Wand. No, star, no, no, star, no, star, star, we. Looking out a dirty old down below the cars in the city go rushing by. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! That's how Vin whispers.